Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy all. Happy Friday, or for those who uh, like some of the wacky weed, happy 420 day. Uh... I don't even. You see that? That doesn't even register in my world. It, neither, neither does neither. It doesn't for me either. But so a friend of mine who uh, <laughs> needs to needs the medicinal uh, yeah, yeah. for for chronic headaches. Uh, they they sent me a message and said happy 420 day, and I'm like, huh? oh oh yeah 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 okay yeah. So whatever. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure a few people could use that today after after a tough evening yesterday. Um, okay, uh, Russ, uh, what do you got for the pre-show? So my pre-show is something musical. I love when you 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 know you follow a band and the band gets done touring, right? But they get sort of bored and they do another project and they do it under a different name. I love these kinds of underground albums. Uh, the front man of Green Day, Billy Joe Armstrong, just put one out called from the he has a new band called The Long Shot. And mm -hmm. one of the members is a guy who Jeff Matika, who always plays like on side stage. He's not like an official member of the band, but he's been with them forever. Right. So he's he's pretty much been touring with them, I bet you, for 20 years. Right, so right. so and then the other I'm not sure who the other members are. Right. But I've been hearing music leaked out and, and the album comes out today. It's called Love is for Losers. And it's and it's what's great about it is it's just Isn't like that true. Yeah, but it's like a garage band mentality, you know? And I love that in this era of overdone music and auto-tune and everything else, that you get a band like this, or or even just a guy, Billy Joe, who, you know, he's he's been around a long time, but he's just like this, he's always gotta do something and he's still creating and and I like that. Yeah, it, it it's funny. And you, I, I know that like when people are when Fans are watching games on television. They miss the in-game experience. Yeah. And one of the things like at Maple Leafs games this year that has been of a constant annoyance for me is that in the TV timeout in the third period, late in the third, it'd say maybe seven, eight minutes left to go in the third period, they always play Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who knows, and we, we talked about this a few days ago, that that is the that, – that, 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 tradition came out of the Boston Red Sox playing it during the seventh inning stretch after they did take me out to the ball game they would do Sweet Caroline as a as sort of a sing-along and now it's gone out over everywhere and to me you know I hate the Red Sox but that's their song so I I, I think anybody who copies that is just being unoriginal and are you getting apparently, to the same point that I was at is there going to be a are you meeting somewhere in the middle here what what do you mean? <laughs> no, it just seems like you're on a different plane here, point wise. Are you? Well, no, 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 no. I'm I'm just going at it a different way. No, what I what I what I what I what I couldn't what I I was commenting on the fact that Doc Emmerich apparently during one of the broadcasts uh, was commenting on Sweet Caroline and why Toronto was doing it, and then I had somebody else contacting me and was asking me whether the Leafs were trolling the Bruins. No, that was me. I I, I was. Oh, the but show. some no, somebody else did well, the somebody same. Somebody else thing. did too. Okay. Yeah, somebody else did the same thing. They're saying, are they trolling them? And I'm like, no, they've been doing this all year, and it's a, and it's a pain. It's a it's 
absolutely aggravating. So it's like, you know, there are plenty of other songs out there you could do as a single. I mean, by the way, the other one that they do that's infuriating is Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. For some reason, <laughs> Bon Jovi has got some love affair with – the ownership has some love affair with him. They used to have a, a poster or something hanging from the rafters at, uh, at Air Canada Center because Bon Jovi was helping them steal the bills from Buffalo or something like that. Oh, yeah, and, I remember that. But, yeah, so, I mean, it, but, but, yeah, I mean – the that was when, when Donald Trump wanted to buy the bills too. Yeah, could have saved us a whole, whole bunch of problems. Like, what would you have done if Donald Trump bought the bills? I wouldn't have. Well, they would have moved out of Buffalo eventually. You know that. Yeah, that's that, true. That, that jerk. <laughs> um. Anyway, so no, but 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 the I mean, Peter and you, you've got. I mean, you covered the Jets. You've yeah. you've you've gone to many. I'm sure many Jets games. It's like that all over the place. There there are some things that are cool. There are some things that are you know get the crowd into it, and that's great. There are some things that are really annoying, and I like I I need to go to like go to the bathroom when they're going on. What the thing that really, and, and I'm gonna be a little critical of the Jets here because they're kind of a vanilla organization when it comes to this stuff. And there's some teams that do things really well. The thing that really annoys me with the Jets and teams is when you have these fake speakers and the fake decibel meter, and it says "get loud." Yes. The crowds know when to get loud. They'll get loud because it's an organic thing. They're not fools. Right. They don't need you. But what you really need is you need some very well curated music that prompts it. And you have to be smart about it. And you have to time it. And you really need, like, the in-game production. You have to get a pulse for what your crowd wants. Russ. You, a lot of organizations miss that. They, they just think, oh, like, I mean – I never understood the Sweet Caroline thing. I had no idea it existed yeah. in terms of this this um, Red Sox thing until we started talking about it here. But all of a sudden, it's all over Twitter now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like wow. And and if it's that prominent a feeling that it becomes a Twitter conversation with media with fans, someone in the social media team of the Leafs has to be aware of this and refer that back to the production crew and say, guys, no. They've been they've been doing it all they've been doing it all year and it's re really it's 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 weak I mean I I think I I have no you know like it's not my place to have a problem with with game ops they can do what they want to do I'm I'm I you know that that's fine I just think you know there are there's so much music that's mm -hmm. Toronto and Canadian based that they could yeah. use I mean honestly I think a 50 mission cap as I said which is a, the tragically hip song about Bill Barocco it's a little bit of a downer because it's about a guy who dies in a plane in 1951 but it's but it's part of the Canadian mosaic and it's it, it's and it's, something, it's sort of it's sort of believe. sort of like the the Stomp and Tom Connor song now people mm -hmm. are are sick of that because it's been done over and over done but there is Canadian music that can be used in place of freaking Sweet Caroline my yeah. goodness I don't get it you know what and it's it's and, and here's the thing and I don't care that it's a different sport if it's iconic to the Red Sox leave it there right right they made it no, iconic the thing, how they did it. So they're, they're trying to catch just, on trendiness, Peter. That's right. What it, yeah, right. but it'd be like it'd be like another team using Chelsea Dagger as a goal song. From right, club, exactly. right. Like it's just don't do it. It's and, there. And, and just just to your point about the about the artificial sound uh, uh, um, meter. Yeah. Russ, do you remember at the World Junior when they did that and there were twenty five hundred fans in the crowd? <laughs> I mean, right, they, they, Peter. They, it was like Slovakia and uh, and, and the Swiss and and the Swiss, and there like there was the, the the lower bowl wasn't even half full, and they do the get loud people like you know jet engine, 
you know, HR of uh, 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 key bank center. Or like, and I'm like, nobody's cheering. They're all watching. I think six people are watching this game. Nobody's cheering. Well, yeah. What are you doing? Well, that's the thing though. They've been trained to put that sound meter and just go crank it. Even if the sound doesn't jive one day, I would like to actually see the sound meter yes. be realistic, but that'll never happen. And, and, and last thing, this is, and this is, this is well known by, by members of the Toronto media. Um, one of the things that, you know, they do t-shirt contests. They do like, you know, they have a, like basically like a Gatling gun type of thing where they shoot t-shirts oh, sure. to yeah. fans in the crowd, which is, which is great. They also do parachutes. Uh, somebody up in the lights, up in the, up, up in the roof will drop parachutes with t-shirts attached. To oh, okay. And Russ, I swear to God, there is a, there is a, a metal, uh, support. I think it's for something on the scoreboard that a parachute has gotten caught on that thing at least 10 times this year. They had a they had a parachute that got attached to that for about a year and they didn't remove it and then they finally did and now every single well, because time they, they probably went hey Joe can you go get that and he's probably like no and then they probably they probably well, nobody, nobody's gonna go out and climb out on the thing to get it they just get a stick and knock it off but but every single time they drop a parachute it ends up snagged on this thing it's 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 hilarious it, it you know it, yeah, it, look a little ineptitude is fun. Uh, every once in a while, you see a little ineptitude, like when somebody gets their jersey retired for a team, and when they're trying to raise the banner, a lot of times it'll go crooked, and and you know we all like that. Everybody likes a little little laughter that way. Yeah. Okay. Let's start the show. Sure. Hello, hockey world. Today is Friday, April twentieth, twenty eighteen. I'm Peter Tessie from uh, Spring Lake, Winnipeg. <laughs> What's a spring like day for you in Winnipeg? It's um today is going to be 16 Celsius. That's about 60 degrees. Oh wow, that that really oh, is. That yeah, is that's nice. I'll take. Yeah, a week ago, Russ, my whole my my whole lawn was still front lawn covered in snow. Now there's no snow on it. Good. That's nice. That's you guys deserve that. Yeah, uh, I'm Russ Good. Cohen from Sportsology, and we're getting about the same weather, about 55, 60. Uh, and I'm Michael Agello, and I all I can say is the sun is out. Is it warm? Are you kidding? And this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. You chose Buffalo, uh, Mike. That's all I can Now, tell we will discuss the two games from last night, uh, but we have to start with – it's not breaking news because it happened about an hour ago. Um, but Bill Peters, the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, who we discussed with, with Kevin Allen earlier in the week about the window that he had. It was, it was strange that Don Waddell, the sort of acting GM, executive vice president, or whatever the heck his title is in Carolina, came out – early in the week and said, well, he's got this window uh, and it's up on Friday and a couple teams have reached out. It was sort of like, it's almost like promoting him to, uh, to, to get a job someplace else. And that's what you sort of said, Peter, where it's like, they're looking to get out of the last year of that contract. And yeah. Bill Peters resigned this morning and lots of speculation from Darren Drager and Pierre Lebrun and a few other people that he will be named the next coach of the Calgary flames. Now, Let's start on the Calgary side here because they fired Glenn Gullitson. They fired a couple assistant coaches. Um, they had a very disappointing year. Came out after the season that you know Sean Monahan had to have four surgeries to do repairs on both hips, on a wrist, on you know like he just he yeah. he probably shouldn't have played the last twenty games the way it sounded. But there's a lot of talent there. There's a really good defense there, and I've always said Russ that Bill Peters got a lot more out of the Carolina Hurricanes than was actually there. 
So if you take that formula and move it to Calgary, I, I think that's a good hire because there's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot there. I think he'll get them to be more defensive. I think he'll get them to be like a little bit grittier, just a little bit more hard to play against because at times Carolina was like a pesky hard to play against team. Yeah. And I think they'll do that. They'll probably make a, a couple of changes. Maybe they will move out someone like Sam Bennett. Maybe they'll uh, look to, you know, get bigger on some lines, faster on others. I, I think there's there's good hope there because the bones of Calgary are very good. And and this is a good guy to bring in because he's a smart hockey guy. Yeah. Now, now Peter, I, I talked to Sean Vetter, our mutual friend, um, yeah. because he follows the, the Flames very closely. And he said the one thing about Gullitson that he had a major criticism about was that he it was his lack of adjustments. When something didn't work, he never changed it. Like he had the defensive pairing of TJ Brody and Travis Hamanick was together for most of the year. They'd never worked. He didn't change them. Probably because, and I said to him, probably because they had Giordano with Doug, Dougie Hamilton, and that did work, and they didn't want to mess with the with the chemistry on that pairing. But you know that that was the failing of Gullitson was his lack of adjustments. Peters is a pretty sharp coach, and I, like I said, I think he he's done a pretty good job with not a lot of talent. There's a growing amount in in Carolina, but I think this is a good fit if he does get that job. Yeah, I, the thing that when you look at what Peters has done in Calgary is he worked with a uh, with an organization that was very strong on defense, right? Had a solid defense. We often talk about that Carolina's got to take some of their defensive assets and move them. He also with his um with with the analytics team had carolina doing a lot of really good things in terms of how they move the puck in possession sure but they didn't have they don't have the skill that calgary has up top so you, you take you know you've got jeff skinner i mean you know and here again i'm, I'm saying jeff skinner and and aho and terrifying and yeah, so there, there's your three and i should Aho should have come up, but it's not like the same names that you think. When you think of Calgary, you go, you go Gaudreau, Monaghan, um, Frolik, Backland, and, and you sort of go down the list of, of who they have on their team. It, right. But a nice mix of vets and youth and, and everything. And then you look at the defense. If Peters can instill some systems and some coaching into that defense core, there's no reason Jim Treliving can't go and shore up the one area that did cause some problems is getting a backup goalie that's going to give um, Smith some relief, right? That's the that's yeah, the. I think, uh, I think they'll get one. Actually, yeah. would would it shock you if they get Cam Ward to be their backup? No, no, it wouldn't. I mean, he's been a little work, hasn't he? Like he is. But, they're they're almost in a Russ. They're almost in a similar situation to Philadelphia is. They're wait they're waiting for either Parsons or Gillies to yeah, maybe yeah, be the number yeah. one. And I think Mike Smith has got another year left in his contract. Yeah, Smith has another year, so you give Gillies another year down below. I, I'd rather him not backing up. I'd rather him playing full time and right. and bringing Cam Ward on a one year deal. It's fine. Yeah, I mean that's that's possible, but. You know, with Calgary, I I I sense there's something missing. Maybe maybe it's another another scorer. Uh, and wouldn't it be ironic that you know Skinner's name has been out there in terms of trade talks for a while? Wouldn't it be ironic that if, if you know they went in that direction? You know you know those. There's always a situation where a coach 
comes in in, in, in a situation like like Calgary and mm-hmm. maybe wants a player or two that he that he coached yeah. before that that might be that might be a good fit. We'll find out during the summer. But I I, I think I mean Calgary dramatically underwhelmed this year. I thought they were a playoff team. I liked their defense. I was disappointed with the way that they played, especially down the stretch. But not only Monahan's injury, but Smith's injury around the All-Star break, that killed them. So, right. But let's talk about the other side of this because yeah. right now, if you're a fan of the Carolina Hurricanes, you really have no idea what your team is going to do, what they're planning to do, mm-hmm. the direction of it. There may have been, you know, Tom Dundon may have had a really nice talk two months ago, but now you all that's changed. Like you have no idea what's going on. If you work in that organization, you got to be a little nervous. I mean, Ron Francis is, you know, silent. He's still with them, mm-hmm. but he's silent. And so you don't know what their direction is. They are they well, going to hire? Here's the thing. Here's what I, my my thinking my my thinking is. When back in the day when the Jets hired, you know, Bill Parcells and made him like head coach and executive, whatever, whatever. I kind of wonder now, are, is this what Carolina is going to do? Keep Waddell there to do the financial side, let Dundon do everything else and bring in a coach in like a dual spot. I kind of wonder about that like because then Dundon will have more control over what he wants. I, 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 when the, back in the 90s, the Canucks sort of did this when they hired Mike Keenan because Pat Keenan – was the coach and general manager and then he stepped aside they fired they got rid of quinn they had rick lay come in and he pooped the bed with the team they brought in keenan and what they gave him control over was player personnel as well he wasn't a gm but he was coaching player personnel so he's the one who made the infamous linden trade for bertuzzi and stuff and and that's like this peter what doesn't it feel like this is what's coming? Yeah, I was going to say that's a, you, the, um, to your point that it's it's happened. It doesn't happen very often. No, but it's well, happened. And with I the mean, right coach, you it gives Dundon his role in the GM thing where he was going to have the GM report to him. He's going to be able to play with his toy. I think it's a bad idea. Yeah, it's I mean, a very I, bad idea. I I, I sort of allow the coach to have some control and work in tandem with Dunn and Russ. I think you're you you nailed it right there. I, I'm I'm skeptical that's the way that they're going because what 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 I what I think might be in 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 the works here is, I mean I don't see Dundon coming off of the you know paying a general manager five hundred thousand dollars instead of you know like if the baseline's a million he's paying them half of what you know right. what they're normally getting. But you're not going to get anybody unless, in spite of what the salary is going to be, unless they have some sort of control over the over the team and over the decisions. And and if that's the case, I think he, you know, he's clearing the deck with Peters to at least give that general manager the say so of who's going to be the coach. I mean, if it's if it's if it's Dundon being hands on like Mark Cuban, this is this is a disaster. Sure. No. No. Listen, I'm not saying it's a a great thing to do. I'm just saying this is my gut feeling that yeah. what they may do. But here's the thing, Mike. If what you're saying is true, they could have hired a GM weeks ago. There's definitely guys they could have hired and then let that guy bring unless, in their own coach. There's no reason that it, it had to happen now. Unless they're waiting for somebody who's with a team right now. But somebody with a team is not taking that low salary. Let's be real. I, maybe. Yeah. I, mean, unless, I mean, again, it's, there, there are only 31 jobs available, so somebody might be desperate enough or might right. be willing to, to take that short-term uh, hit financially. Okay, so let's say – let's just play this devil's advocate game. Okay. Let's say I'm completely wrong, which, you know, isn't normal, but it could happen. <laughs> um, and, and let's say 
they are waiting. <laughs> they are waiting for someone on a team. And let's say that team makes it to the Stanley Cup. And let's right. say that the Stanley Cup runs till June 11th. Yeah. Are they really going to wait until like June 15th to announce a coach and a GM with the draft like two weeks after that? Yeah, because right now, like all the drafting and all the scouting is still under the control of Ron Francis. That's why he's still around. Which is which is a which is but which is it's completely disagree with everything Ron Francis does, and that I is know. a risk that Tom Dundon is taking now. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe I would suspect that with what Dundon's actually allowed the budget to increase, which is under Eric Tulski's analytics team, is that that a lot of that is going towards what we've heard other teams are doing, which, and I can't remember what the, the letters stand for, but it's a, a PCS system, which is a projecting system for, for draft eligible players and how they project forward. And I would suspect that Dundon's put that extra resources into there for the scouting department, um, because it's pretty hard to develop a whole bunch of analytics when you don't have a coach and a GM to Get start applying get gutted so when a new person comes in. Your, well, scout, your scouts can still do all the work based on what you're looking for to build the team because he supported that. And, and, wow. and, and you never, and you never know, Peter, he could, Tom Dundon could go in at the draft in Dallas, take the, take the NHL central scouting book and yeah. take a little, take a little pointer and go, Oh, there's the guy I want. Go ahead. Or he does that. He's in trouble. Well, um, and, 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 but, but Peter, here's my, here's the other, my, my retort to that. Yes, you could be right about that, but the idea is, if if that's really what's going on, I just I just I don't know if that's really what's going on here because a new GM could come in and completely disagree with how they're scouting and look at their look at their draft board and say I don't agree with this. I I I, I do I I understand that Russ. I I, I think that's a possibility. There's no way Dundon's not hiring someone who being the same vision. Yeah, that's gonna... the problem is I think he's talked to people. He's yeah. he yeah. he's been cheap. And they know that if I don't, and the people who he's talked to, that makes it even a smaller group of people that he. Right. I mean, yeah. I, 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 you've got the thinnest wedge of the available talent pie right there. Yeah. And I, you know, if I had to put my hat on, I think he brings in a, a kind of thing where, he, uh, like an AHL coach, once the Calder Cup's done, I think he, he maybe gets a, a, that's where he ends up finding a coach. And I think he might even find a GM or something from there too. Are we surprised? I yeah, I think you're right. Are because we, he's not going to pay. Yeah. Now, are we surprised that we haven't heard from Tom Dundon today, considering his coach just stepped down? Like, I feel it's kind of odd yeah. that we're hearing from Don Waddell and not from him, since yeah. he is the he's the lead guy. Like, if I'm a fan, I don't want to hear from Don Waddell. No offense to Don, he's a great guy. I kind of want to hear from the owner about this now. You've well, you've got rid of this coach who we all sure. think is a pretty good coach. What's going well, on? The so owner's been I, PR one hundred and one is if you put the owner as the spokesperson and identified him as the decision maker, right? You don't back off from that in such a cut dry way without some reason. So they're not managing it well, right? Simply because the, there's now more questions to be asked than anything right. else. Yeah, the owner's been and that, they made a huge mistake that way. And I think Dundon, you know, maybe he just said, okay, fine, Don, you do this now and take over. I, I've stepped in it too many times. Yeah. But it's still not the way to handle it. But 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 it's a very it's a very very peculiar time to say all of a sudden, okay, I've been front and center on everything, and now when my coach walks away, 
I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hide in the weeds somewhere. No, you, you if you're gonna take the bull by the horns, you take it take the bull by the horns and everything. But I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, just one more thing on the coaching um, scenarios around around the league. Dallas is without a coach, obviously. Calgary will wait on Peters. Um, Russ, something came out yesterday about the Rangers and you know some college coaches. What what are you, what are you hearing? Yeah, um, so there there was some some scuttlebutt about that. I I put up on Twitter literally uh, on April 9th. I looked it up just to see that I would hire Jim Montgomery, who is the uh, University of Denver coach. You know, he's won championships. He he's really worked well talent wise. I mean, right. Henrik Borgstrom is his latest uh, protege. Uh, you know, I I think he's the top guy, but Scott Sandlin also is the coach of Minnesota Duluth. They just won a national championship. So there's that. And then Quinn over at BC, Brian Quinn. I think there's uh, a chance for that too. Ted, Ted Donato. Um, I what, haven't heard the, Ted Donato. What about, uh, what about the university of Minnesota coach? No, no. We ha I'm, these are the three that I've, that, that we're hearing about. And, it, and it's not like they're the only three they're going to, to talk to. It's just like, those are, three that are sort of in the mix but it's know? peculiar it's peculiar that it's all Quinn. i said a different Quinn. So. yeah it's peculiar that it's all college coaches though and it's not you know not tip it not uh no, no, i think they're going to be in the mix too okay. I, think, I think these are just early guys that are identified i right. think there there will be others and and there was also and i don't know if it was you and me mike or or somebody but somebody threw out the name of rick bennett Oh no! Somebody else who I was talking to, who's the union coach, and he does have a ranger background as well. Well, I mean that'll be interesting to see, and you know we may see other openings. I, 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 I like I'll stick. I'll stick with my suspicion when it comes to Edmonton. When we were talking to Kevin earlier in the week, you know if they they've already confirmed that they're bringing Shirelli back, and you know maybe they're waiting to fire Todd McClellan until say Washington drops out and Barry Trotz is available, but I just can't see both Shirelli and McClellan coming back after that tire fire of a season that the Oilers had. I really can't see that. Yeah, I agree. The one thing to backtrack on the Rangers, we still haven't heard a final an answer from Lindy Ruff. Is he staying? Is he going? What's his new position going to be? What's is he going to have any position? So Lindy Ruff, you know, is still a Ranger, right? <laughs> Yeah. This is kind of crazy, so I just want to point that out. Speaking of weird situations and odd PR, let's talk about the Islanders. I'm not sure if you saw Chris Botta's tweet today. No. And basically, he goes, was supposed to do the show yesterday after it was promoted on Twitter and Garth Snow found out. Isles made a call, segment canceled. Pathetically, he was worried about a harmless interview on the NHL's own radio network. This is the Snow culture, GM since 2006. All right, so here's the thing. I mean, those two don't get along. They no, really, but I mean, they don't get along. No, no, I know, I, I know the history there. But regardless, I mean, this like, what? yeah. Let's 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 let's, let's just say this: if Garth Snow's house burned down, Chris Botta would be there with marshmallows. Right. Yeah. I, I I can't get too I can't get too overly into this one way or the other, knowing the history. Right. Yeah. But is Garth Snow going on other shows and talking? No. Yeah. Right. It's he, yeah. It's just weird. 
And again, it's, it's, it's bad. Like there's a fan base, right? Again, going back to hurricanes fans, what's going on. I understand what the hell is going on. At least their owner at least has been talking. That's yeah. a little bit more than, than Carolina, but they're just as confused. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. This and there's interesting. Been, Sorry. Just adding some more to the intrigue. To the whole and thing. yeah. And, and two weeks after the regular season, we still haven't heard a peep out of, out of either the Tavares camp or the Islanders camp regarding him. So, I mean, yeah. it just leads, leads everything to believe that, that that's going to go, that's going to go to the, uh, to the five day negotiating window in, in late June. Um, okay. Let's, let's get to the games last night. And I was at the, uh, it was sort of a surreal thing with the, with the Leafs and the Bruins because right before game time, and I have to give the Bruins PR and the Bruins a lot of credit for not letting one little inkling out about, about, uh, Patrice Bergeron because Bergeron talked to the media, uh, yesterday, um, Bruce Cassidy, you know, mentioned about how important Bergie was to the team and this and that. And then lo and behold, the pregame skate comes out and he's not there. And then it gets tweeted out that he is out with an upper body injury for game four. And at that point, Russ, I'm saying, here's your opportunity leaps because, you know, you were, you were able to win in game three and shut down that line. Um, but now, you know, Riley Nash replaces Bergeron and here's your opportunity for especially for Austin Matthews, because everybody, you know, the first three games that was the big matchup was Bergeron against the Matthews line. And that matchup and the fact that the Leafs did not seize on that matchup was central to the loss uh, in game four, the 3 1 loss. Well, what did you think of the game, first of all? Well, I mean, I, I watched the game and I felt like, yeah, it was close. I knew that Bergeron was out. I did feel the same way you did that the Leafs didn't take advantage, but I also, after talking to you offline, felt the same way that you did. Like, hey, when you pick Chara and McAvoy to sort of take out Austin Matthews, mm. that's going to happen. It's like the NFL. If the NFL can completely stop you, a player, a great player, from producing in a game, and I, I am really dumbfounded on how many tweets from the media and otherwise that I've seen expecting a twenty-year-old. To not only lead the team, but on his back, take them to the next round because it's not a singular sport, people. It's just we don't see it. Did Wayne Gretzky do that at 20? Did he win the Stanley Cup at 20? No, but he but no. he but he did beat the Montreal Canadiens, who were the four-time Stanley Cup champions. Did he also have Mark Messier with him? Did he also yeah, have he did. He, he, did. Had but, of, he had a lot of different well, and, players there. A lot of and, a great he had Paul Coppy, he had a lot of great players there. No, 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 Peter. My my observation from the game, and I'll express my view after we get your opinion here, was the Bruins' big players without Bergeron came up bigger than they ever have in this series. Uh, pa Pasternak, Marchand, Chara, and Rask stepped up, and the big players on the Leafs, I think the only one who played, I think he, I think he was the best player on the ice last night, was Mitch Marner. And Marlowe played well, but other than that, they did not get big contributions and did not get a an increased level of play from the guys that they needed to to win. And that's, I think, what is at the heart of the disappointment right now in Toronto after Game Four is that their big players did not show up. They showed up pretty small at big at a big time. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't know what else to add to that, Mike. Like, I mean, yeah, you're right, and. What 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 more can you say? I, I just 
Well, I, what I mean, the, this is this is the thing. Like compare it compare it to Winnipeg. It's and and I've watched that series a lot. I think you know. I think Line A. I think Bufflin. I think Wheeler. I think they're big guys. Now, the one thing with the exception of Line A, all these guys are more experienced, and that's where I will be prepared to cut the leaf some slack. Is that you know they're. I, 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 There's you know, not I, a lot. I mean, they're experienced, Mike, but they're not. There's only two players on the Winnipeg Jets who have any meaningful playoff experience, and that's Bufflin and Stasny. Yeah, that's it. Everyone else got swept in four games into 2015. Well, I Russ, mean, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Like, the Leafs have more experience. Well, the, the, and this this is the thing, and Russ, I said this on a, on a, a podcast earlier this morning. Look at the two teams. Uh, the Bruins, as we've talked about, have a bunch of young guys, young talent that's really good. Donato, McAvoy, I think, is going to yeah. be a top-pairing defenseman. You know, Grizzlick. Uh, you know, uh, um, Dalton Heinen. They they have young players mixed in with their veteran group. Jake DeBrusque is playing great. Jake DeBrusque is playing phenomenal. The Leafs have the same thing. But look, the core group of the Bruins is the 2011 Stanley Cup winners. Yeah. Rask, Chara, Bergeron, Marchand. Yep. The, the core group of the Leafs are 21. I Marner. Know. Uh, Matthews, Nylander, Morgan Riley's 24 years old. He's basically a veteran on this team. Other, other than you know, other than the mixed in guys like Dominic Moore and Placanitz and Marlowe, the core group of the Leafs are youngsters, and that I think yeah. is at the heart of this. It's yeah. perfect, and the defense is nowhere near what Boston's is, no, and that's yeah. really where you in this league. If you don't have four that you are rock solid, can right. count on. And can roll for big minutes. You're yeah. not going very far in the NHL playoffs. It's just the way. The one thing that we're seeing, and it, it's not a secret, but and just sorry before I get there, don't forget the core of this Bruins group went to the Stanley Cup final in 2013 and lost to Chicago. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Let's let's this this isn't and this is a very experienced group. And yeah. but the, the the thing that we're seeing with the Leafs and it's not a secret, but it should. It should be everyone in the Leafs management team should be staring on the ice right now and going, how do we get two better defensemen to play on our team? How do we get them? Like that is the whole, they've got to find a way to get, they, they've got a goalie. They've got forward skill. They've got forward skill. They've got skilled winger prospects coming out the wazoo mm -hmm. in the organization. What they don't have is two stud defensemen. Yep. I think that's they have one that's probably a year or two away. They do in Lilligren, but right. Yeah, okay. They a year or two away, but they need them now. Right. <laughs> like it's right. They don't, and that's from years of not drafting them. Yeah, and so, right. you know, that's the thing. It's like they are in a spot where they're better than Edmonton because management filled in some gaps. Yes. But they're also in a spot where you're not getting to a conference final with a defense like that. Well, yeah. and, that, and and here and here's here's the dichotomy of the two teams. The leading guy, the leading ice time for Boston was Zdeno Chara at 40, 40 or forty one years old. Played over twenty, close to twenty eight minutes, and he was out there for most of Matthews' shifts. And him and McAvoy 
successfully shut down that line for the third time in four game, third game in of the four games in the series. And that's uh, at a point the some of the frustration that's going on in Toronto is Matthews and Nealand are not being able to score. I, I get that, but again, I'm a future Hall of Famer. McAvoy's a future All Star for a lot of years. I, I exa exactly, and I'm and I'm again these these players are not very experienced, and you know Matthews showed up in the playoffs last year against Washington. So I don't think this is a, you know, he, he's not, he's not uh, prepared to play playoff style hockey because yeah. I think he is. Like who's the lead the, shutdown pair? The, yeah. Well, that, that you're, 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 that's my point. The leading ice time player for the Maple Leafs last night on the blue line was Jake Gardner, the player responsible for the loss because his pinch late in the second period and an offensive draw with with you know maybe he thought you know because it was off of an icing and it was a tired Brad Marchand and Pasternak out there that he could get away with pinching at the blue line. Well, he, he didn't get away with it. He got beat to the puck by Pasternak. Pasternak goes down the ice and sets up Marchand for a goal that hits the the camera in in, in the in, in the net. You know it's 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 baffling. This guy can and I'm and, and I'm, I, I have a long history with with Jake Gardner in terms of being a critic of him and him being an analytics darling, but this is the problem. I had people yesterday sending me tweets. Well, the Leafs' defense is never going to be good enough that they're playing Roman Polak. Your problem is not Roman Polak playing right. 14 minutes on the bottom pairing. Your problem is having a guy who cannot play defense playing 27 friggin' yeah. minutes. That's so, your problem. You know, I, I'm not going to say they're a direct comparison because they're not, but the argument you make about Gardner being an analytics darling is a lot like Bufflin, Dustin Bufflin. Analytic, like, love them, but people who just watch the game and use the eye test, they're ready to put uh, screwdrivers in their eyes sometimes with the things he does. Right. And the interesting thing is... He has a physical component. That's the he has a physical component, isn't it? So that, that's a, and he has a size thing. Okay, so yes. they're not the same player, but no. the same criticisms that happen are there. Yeah. And I just put an article out yesterday about how well Bufflin's playing by not being Dustin Bufflin, by being, he sort of, Maurice has got in his head, or Huddy has got in his head. Who's the guy who's going to get in Gardner's head and change, no. like, and is it possible? No, it's I don't not. know if it's possible. Like he's yeah. always going to be a 45, 50 point guy. He is a, you know, a basically a high risk taking offensive defenseman. And if you're going to have success, you have to pair him with someone like, you know, like a Nicholas Yarmelson who thinks right. nothing about anything but defense. So yeah. at least there's somebody back. And the problem with that play the other day was, Zaysev is not a lockdown defensive guy either, so I'm not sure he made the right choice. Yeah, and Russ either. I was talking to I was talking to a to a, a media friend up in the press box, and we're and you know I was railing about Gardner's bad defensive play, and he brings up you know offensive defensemen of the past like Brian Leach, like Paul Coffey, and how 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 Brian Leach was paired with a defensively minded Jeff Bukaboom, and Coffey was paired with Kevin Lowe, and I'm like. Yeah, but at a certain point, even Phil Housley in his career learned what to do and learned how to play defense. And the problem is that Jake Gardner is 27 years old, and he's and he he has been able to temper some of the mistakes, but he continues to make the same mistakes that he made as a 21 year old. He yeah. is what he is. He's never going to change. And if it's on your bottom pairing, or if it's a number four who gets 19 or 20 minutes, fine. But when you're paying him playing them for 27 minutes, you're going to expose your team to what happened yesterday. Here's here's my retort, though. 
to hear Brian Leach's name come up just makes me sort of I like I almost I almost vomited like it, it pushed up a little bit and and the reason is if he was bad defensively on a play he had elite speed to catch up and get a stick on it Gardner doesn't have that kind of speed he has yeah. decent speed he, he, he has doesn't have that speed. kind of catch up speed yeah. he no he he has pretty good speed Russ catch up speed it's different. Right, and 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 that was apparent on on the goal yesterday. But he, but it, but his problem is anticipation. He gets caught flat foot, and you have to give the Bruins credit yesterday because what they did was they cut off the they they cut off the stretch pass that Gardner has been doing and Riley's been doing all season. That dump up the middle, uh, the the the, the sort of the alley oop pass. They cut that off. They set they sat back, and the and the Leafs had no answer to that. So. You know, we we move forward in that series. It's going to be Game Five on Saturday. Bergeron will be back. Kadri will be back. Game um, Five or the final game of that series? Which one? Well, is it? I, I don't I don't know. I mean, if if if, if you ask me to to predict, I mean, it's I would say that I, I don't see it. it's a great chance of of the Leafs um, coming back to Toronto, but you can't say that it's impossible because I mean they do have the talent. So I'll keep an open mind, but I, I'm not expecting the series to continue past Saturday night. <laughs> So I no, I don't. I think it could. Yeah. I originally picked um, but, seven. But, but I, I don't expect it. I agree. Here, here's the thing. I think the yeah. Bruins are wearing them down, and I think yeah. the Bruins actually but, are wearing down the coach too. I think. I, I think Mike Babcock. Yeah. Um, in his post game with his weird praise of a team that really kept it close for a little while, but didn't have much punch in the third period, uh, was kind of weird, and I think that's going to work against him actually. Yeah. Well. So, here, here's the thing, and I think it goes to the bigger point that Mike you talked about how earlier on this, like because there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of things flying around the Leafs. Well, Matthews is playing, you know, all these different things. The problem is the Leafs can't keep themselves in the game, and and that's I don't see the problem as scoring because it's not right. like Boston's out. Like they only won three one. It's not like Boston's like blowing the doors off them. If right. that keeps it, it keeps it as a two one game. Or a tie game, depending. And again, I didn't see the game, so I'm not aware of how the goals happened and, and, and the situations underneath and what led to them. But if there isn't the Gardner pinch gaffe, if there isn't maybe another defensive mistake, and the game is held there, right? Um, you know, then then the, the way that game unfolds at a tie game later in it is far different than a game of a two-one or a three-one game. And and it's like it's the Leafs. It's not like Boston's outscoring the problem. Like no, you know, the problem, Peter. I think you're 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 overthinking it only in the sense that Boston can still shut down a yeah. facet of the Leafs okay. game. The Leafs cannot shut down any okay. facet. I said I said this after the game last night. The 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 the, the Leafs and Babcock, he has been stressing them playing a strapped down more conservative, defensive-style, two-way hockey type of game, especially for the playoffs, because he knows that that is what is needed to win. The problem is that the personnel on the team do not match that style. He's trying to get offensively gifted players. And granted, offensively gifted players can learn how to play two-way hockey, and I think you know, Matthews and Nealander and Marner are going to have to do that throughout uh, going further in their career to, for them to be able to win but he's he's been accentuating that point about you know playing that two-way style and they really 
throughout the year have not been successful doing it. They only, you know, they rely on that offense. And then when, when they fall behind, they have to open up the throttle to, to, to catch up. And the, their only, their only uh, option now down three to one is to open it up and try to try to get Boston to play that type of series. I think Boston's too disciplined to do that, but, that's something that has to be remedied in the off season. If you got players that don't fit that style, you better get players that can fit that style. That's all I have to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, the other game last night was Columbus and Washington, and it bucked the trend of every other series that was 2-1 in the sense that the team that was behind even the series, and this has been uh, four games now, Russ, where the home team is lost. If I was a <laughs> – if I was a season ticket holder, I'd be asking for a refund and losing my mind. Um, four goals for the Caps. Uh, Bobrovsky was big in the first two games. Can't really blame him here, but not as big at home. No, not as big at home, but but the team just, again, goes into this shutdown, can't score kind of mode. And at the end of the game, John Tortorella says, well, we laid an egg. Like, that's it. Like, that's his answer to the to the press. And it's like... I'm sorry, John. You got to give us more than that. It's a home game. You had a chance to go up three-one. You basically gave a team that was struggling life, a life. A yeah. life. Yeah, they gave him life, and I really do think that the Yarabek out and Christian Juice in has made a massive difference in the Caps' defense because Yarabek was getting victimized in almost every game, right? For at least one play a game. Now that's not happening. Ovechkin's gotten hot. Oshie's looks like he's heating up a little. Hopey's sort of in there now, right? He's he's settled in. This is now not looking great for the for the Jackets. I'm still going to stick with the Jackets, but the problem is now when the coach just says at the end of the game, "Well, we laid an egg." I don't know, man. If that's going to be the best you've got, I'm sure he said something else behind closed doors. But he better get real tactical about this, or I don't know if his team's recovering because we don't know how the Jackets can come back in a series. They really needed to be up 3-1, I think. Now, Peter, I I, I was concentrating more on the Leafs game. I, I didn't really get a chance to see anything more than a couple highlights from this game, and I know you were, you were the same. But looking at it, it's like, I mean, Columbus had a real opportunity here up 2 nothing, And yeah. really, I think Washington was questioning, you know, after all the playoff chokes that they've had throughout their, you know, throughout the last few years, the, you know, being down to nothing, you know, the Grubauer Holpe situation, all the things that were going on. Now, now I think they have to be infused with a lot of confidence winning two games on the road and going back home with, uh, with Holpe playing, you know, Holpe playing uh, better, better hockey and them in a, fortuitous position yeah it's you know to come out and get the ot win was i mean that was huge for washington in terms of just their their general playoff history they needed that then to come back and then you know what it was four goals last night yeah right like to 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 deal with that and then put the game away wow what a momentum shift right like i mean it, it the, the momentum shift between the first two games and the second two games heading back to Washington tied is, is absolutely incredible for the caps. And I wouldn't be surprised like come Saturday that they really start rolling. Like it's, you know, this could be exactly what they needed to go into Columbus, get a gutty overtime win, and then just kind of 
that lack of a better term, control the game entirely yesterday and then boom, come home, watch out the caps. You know, it could be that gorilla off the back kind of thing. No, Russ, I, I, I uh, by the way, Joe Haggerty just tweeted out that uh, it's not guaranteed that Bergeron will play game five, that, you know, with them up 3-1 in the series, that they may rest him for game five and, you know, just. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. They're, they're, play, they're playing with they're playing with house money, so why yeah. not? Yeah. Um, I just I just thought thought about this because you've got now you got Washington and Columbus tied two two. Um, you've got and I'm not writing off the Leafs Leaf fans, I'm, but I'm just saying it looks like right now you know all directions point to a Boston Tampa uh, uh, divisional final in the in the in the Atlantic. How good is it to be the to be the the Pittsburgh Penguins right now? You're you're, you're going to have Washington and Columbus kick the crap out of each other, probably go seven, and then when Pittsburgh does face them, it's going to be a team that they know that they can beat because they've beaten both of them year after year after year. And then on top of that, they're going to have Boston and Tampa beat the crap out of each other in a seven game series, and they'll just be sitting there waiting for them. Yeah, I, I will tell you. I don't think they spend a lot of time thinking about that. I don't, but I think we talking about that, we could see that path. They're really an interesting team because again, like after the win the other night, you got Sidney Crosby in the in the locker room talking about passing Mario Lemieux for, for I think it was most points in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I couldn't believe uh, that. Which is crazy, but Mario also had injuries and yes. and all that, right? So, but still amazing for Crosby. You got Malkin sitting next to him talking. Phil Kessel's out in the hallway. He's visiting with family. Like it couldn't be any looser for them after a game like that because they've all been there and they expect this. And Matt Murray expects this. And Sullivan's, you know, not sitting on his laurels. He's actually each game trying to, you know, work hard at a game plan. And right now he's oh, they're playing a team that they clearly are have overmatched. Uh the Flyers look like they're gonna play Robert Hogg tonight, and and that's fine. He'll, you know, but the problem is. They're putting Hogg in, and they're taking Sanheim out. Brandon Manning stays, apparently. And so that's something where you have to scratch your head from the coach. Elliott's still going to be in there. Like, this is a perfect scenario for Pittsburgh. They're like, hey, we know if we win, we get to rest after this. That's really all they care about. Yeah, and uh, Peter, if, if if the Penguins do continue further in the playoffs, we'll get this insightful commentary from Pierre, continuing insightful commentary from Pierre McGuire, who said on Phil Kessel after scoring in uh, in uh, game uh, game four against Philadelphia uh, he, that he hadn't missed the game in eight seasons, and said, "There's a lot of strength and conditioning coaches out there saying, how is that happening?'" <laughs> I don't think anybody's asking that question. You know what? Yeah, no, I mean, you can say whatever you want about Phil Kessel. And I remember when he got traded, I didn't think it was going to work out. I was 150% times a thousand wrong. Yeah. And whatever you want to say about Phil Kessel, if you're making a comment about his fitness, his physique, or whatever, you're right. an idiot. He's proven everyone wrong and given right. the respect he deserves. I'm, I mean, I, okay, I was a critic of him in Toronto, but not not him as a talent. Him as a talent, it was him being signed like he was a franchise player. When I think he's one of the best complimentary players in the league. But honestly, the guy's won two Stanley Cups. I'm sending him a book of coupons for hot dogs. Yeah. I don't care. He's won like eight million dollars. He doesn't need coupons. 
Yeah. Use no. an elite player. Everybody, get over everybody needs it. coupons, Ross. Get, get over it. Everybody needs coupons. Just ask my mother. Uh, okay, so uh, two other games on on the docket for you know so Pittsburgh Philadelphia the the uh, the, the there are some reports that Couturier is, skated. I, I, like, I think I think he'll play. I do. On one, well, well, he he just joins everybody else on one leg in that series. Yeah, so Brian, is yeah. do have we heard anything about who's starting in goal? Is it it's Wayne Elliott. Stevenson maybe or no? It's Wayne Stevenson is not available. Um, no, it's 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 Elliot. Like that's Bob, it. Fro- Bob Froze. Bob Froze is not there. Uh, Bob Froze is a a minister now, so he's busy with that calling. It's, yeah, Rick Saint Croix, Roman Chechmonic. We no, 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 no. That's just it is what it is. Uh, you know, there is um a little bit of breaking news. Amanda Stein put it up on Twitter that Sammy Votnin has not joined the team yet in Tampa. Oh. Now, it's if the Devils don't have him, yeah, yes. man. Just turn well, and, and, and stick and a fork in him. That well, yeah, but and I think that's I mean, I think that's the case anyway, but you know, the I mean that that Kucherov hit that Kucherov, you could make a case that that Kucherov hit was pretty close to what Dowdy's hit was. But I thought he caught more shoulder. I so did. did I. So did I. I think it was a I think that was the only difference, Russ, was the fact that it was a continuation of the hit. He hit the shoulder first and it went through to the jaw. And that now, was we'll that tell you this. And this was this was fascinating for me. And this is why somebody might hire Scott Stevens as a coach very quickly. He was on NHL Network yesterday, basically diagramming how to hit the guy legally and dislodge him from the puck. And I'm thinking, boy, if, if I'm a coaching staff, I might be watching him on NHL Network right now to see how to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, without giving know. them a concussion or with, <laughs> he didn't say. Yeah, that that he doesn't care about. That but he all he kept saying is, "This is how you do it, and it's a legal hit." And the interesting thing is, Scott Stevens is a very smart guy, and he does have that mind. And if nothing else. Even if you hire him as a as a coach, you know your defense is going to be tough because they're going to learn some things that they've never learned before, and and that's going to probably make him valuable on on the open markets at some point someday. Scott Stevens talking about hitting clean is like <laughs> is like having Brian Marchment talk about knee repair. Like yeah. it's no, it's, it's like Jay, it's so like talking. To, it's like Jake Gardner talking about defense. No, but it's but it's like hiring somebody who's a thief to be a hacker for the government. Like it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other two games, Peter, uh, Minnesota and, and, and Winnipeg, Morrissey suspended one game. It sounds like Tyler Myers is going to play. Yep. So you've got your right side intact of, um, of, of Truba, Buff, and Myers. We'll see what happens on the other pair. I haven't seen pairings yet, um, but I haven't been checking. All I've heard is that he's in. So I'm not sure what they're doing on the left side with Morrissey out. It's believed that Sammy Nuku is going to play. He's been recalled. Okay. Um, he had one NHL game uh, prior to the end of the season. He scored a goal in it. Um, the, the prevailing thought amongst Jets fans, or at least the ones that are very vocal, is um, is that they, if you're going to replace Josh Morrissey, you replace him with the best, the most Josh Morrissey-like player. And that would be Sammy Niku, regardless of of experience. So let me me ask you this question, Peter. If for some reason the Jets lose tonight, you know, they're at home and everybody's looking at Minnesota as a wounded duck. And let's say they lose. 
what will the fan base, what will the temperature of the fan base be like then? Even though they'll have a 3-2 lead, will they be losing some confidence at that point if that happened? The Jets would, you know what, the fan base would be, I think, be okay. They'd be disappointed because they're looking for a Friday night party. Right. I think the confidence level is fine. Morrissey will be back. And the Jets lost three games once all season. They're not going, and, and I think the fan base believes that they're not going to lose three straight to give up a seven. Not that it can't happen. Right. But given that there's no no suitor, no Parise, um, a one-leg spurge. This is a weird sport. Like, if there's anything could happen. Dubnik could all of a sudden go lights out. Right. right? And, and next thing you know, you could you could buy a goal. Um, it could happen, but I think I think they'll, they'll they'll be they'll still be optimism. They'll just be disappointed okay. and look forward to Game Six. And finally, the 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 other uh, the last game, uh, the nine thirty game, uh, Avalanche and Predators. Predators will be without Ryan Hartman. Uh, from what I heard Avalanche yesterday, Russ, that Sam Gerard, it's a game time decision. That's a big deal too. Right, but from what I also heard is Andrew Hammond is going to start over Bernier. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Yeah, and if that's the case, if that's the case, I mean, not not casting aspersions at Andrew Hammond, but now you're on goalie number three. Yeah. Without Eric Johnson, maybe without Gerard. I mean, no, but again, this is I, like if, if the Hamburglar quit McDonald's and Burger King hired him. Like that's what this is like. Well, this is the the guy the guy from the guy from the Verizon commercials is now doing Sprint commercials. I know, but but he's younger. Donald Trump was a Democrat. Now he's a Republican. Trump. Andrew Hammond, it's a lot of years since he's been successful. Like, this is a real desperation move. Well, they've got nothing else. Well, they have no more. They have no choice. They go no. with Bernier. I don't see the positive. I don't, know if, I don't know if he's hurt. If he's hurt. Oh, okay. He uh, left the game injured. Yeah. Uh, so but it, it you're saying be... if he's healthy, he's going to play. Yeah. All yeah. right. But anyway, so, okay, uh, great show. Uh, we will be back on Monday. I may be up in Toronto. We'll see. Uh, uh, so, uh, for, uh, for Peter Tessier, you don't seem very confident. Well, I'm, I'm, it's not up to me. It's up to the Leafs. They, no, but you're going to have to write an article. You're going to write an article that the, 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 when you wrote your last article, were you writing it that the series will continue or are you writing it that it's probably over? You had to go one way or the other. No, I just, I wrote that they uh, missed, I wrote that they missed a golden opportunity no guts. and that no they're guts. No, it's it's the truth. <laughs> no guts. <laughs> For Peter Tessier and Russ Cohen, I'm gutless Michael Agello. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.